Welcome to The Storytellers, the radio show and podcast that features those who choose to leave their mark on the world through the art of story. I'm your host, Grace Salmon. I look forward to our time together today. Now, let's meet our storyteller. Welcome to episode 48 of The Storytellers, where I get to spend time with Jen Milius, who is building people one book at a time. Jennifer is an entrepreneur, a developmental editor, a coach, and an accomplished author, having published seven children's books in her Einstein and Moo series. And most recently, she co-authored, you know it's a verb, right? Which blends personal development, business, and leadership skills. It is an incredible joy to welcome my friend, Jen, to the microphone. Hello. Grace, thank you so much. Hi, I'm so glad to be here. I wanted you on the Storyteller's Microphone since I started the show because I've been following your work for nearly two years. You do something that many authors, I think, try to accomplish, but you do a beautiful job of it. You are creative. You're a collaborator. You are a force in the industry as far as I'm concerned. You like books. You write books. You read books. You coach books. And you celebrate books. How did the whole love of books happen for you? Well, thank you. I appreciate that so much. Um, I have been a reader since I was a child. I've I've always been a writer too. So uh, when I was in about fourth grade, I had to turn in a book of poems and my fourth grade teacher submitted it to a contest and I got to go to the one of the local high, uh, universities as a young author to a young author convention. And I remember thinking that was so cool. And that writing just continued to evolve. And I got an undergraduate degree in journalism with an emphasis in PR, used that degree into a publishing space, more as like a data consultant, but still in the publishing space. And then continued to use that writing background and that book background just because I just, I've always loved books. I love characters. I like encouraging people and building people up. So that's always been like an underpinning throughout my entire career in whatever I was doing. I like to talk about genre a lot on the storytellers and you have two very different pieces. Children's books uh, around your delightful cats who I love uh, following on Instagram. I am one of those people who just, you know, there's a cat on Instagram, I'm there. And then this very, very different book, which quite honestly, I thought was a craft book when I saw the title, you know, it's a verb, right? <laughs> I thought, oh, it's going to be a book on how to write a better book, but it's so much more than that. So let's talk a little bit about those two genres and pieces of your work before we jump into the wider breadth of your work. Sure, sure. So with Einstein and Moo, they are rhyming picture books. So they do have the iambic pentameter, so rhyme and beat. And they just kind of flowed. Like I saw the pictures in my head, like what they, what the stories might be. And then they just, those stories honestly just kind of flowed out. There were times that I turned my phone on voice record and let them just flow whatever was there then copy it down and start working with it to truly set the beat. So I would set like a metronome equivalent and listen for a beat and read out loud until it aligned completely. And that's just because I just, I would see the kitties, I would hear their chatter or imagine what was going on in their mind and just wanted to bring it to life. So that's just, that's always been something fun to me. And then with the 
uh, you know it's a verb because it is a business leadership book. And so my co-author and I saw that as lead. To lead, it's a verb. It's something you do every day. It's not one and done. So when you become a leader, I think that's something you you start out when you're a little one. You know, how many times do you see in the school where who's up front? You have the leader who's leading the line or what have you. So I think leadership can start when you're young. And I kind of think for all kind of six-year-olds to begin with. So there's joy there. And the leadership book was such a fun co-authoring experience because my co-author, he's just, he's phenomenal. He's such an amazing person. And that was another way of writing, but it was still creative because we told stories and we wanted it to feel relatable. Like you're sitting with a mentor versus feeling like it's jargon or a textbook. We wanted it to feel like you were, you could sit at your lunch break and look at it and feel as though you were listening to somebody who's been there and talking with you, not at you. I agree. I've read most of, I think, you, you know, it's a verb, right? And I, and it's because I thought it was a craft book and I admire so much of what you do, <laughs> but you. I've done a lot of leadership development in my life in my, in across the nation in 32 different states. And I thought, I love how you, first of all, talk about it is a verb. It is an action verb. It's not like you just got appointed B principal or CEO or CFO. It is an actionable item on a daily basis. You also have some really interesting ways of ending each chapter. Would you talk about that just for a second? Oh, sure. So we, Wayne and I wanted it to be something that we wanted this book to feel loved, which in our world, that meant you write in it and you mark it up and you fold the pages, which probably sounds so, oh my gosh, how can you do that, do that to a book? Well, I do think that all. when you really love a book, that is what you do. So I'm okay with that. And we wanted to have end of chapter honesty checks, uh, questions. So each one has some questions for you to reflect and to say, how am I answering this? Is it, am I moving closer to the goal I have or further away? And we wanted them to be something that felt timeless, meaning that once you picked up the book today, you read it or read a section of it or just a chapter, you could go back in three months, six months, or even a week and say, hey, has, has something changed a little bit here? So it's not necessarily one and done. It's something where you can use it and then bring it back out and say, hey, how have I done? What else? Where else can I grow? Where else can I continue to hone my skills? Because you know, when you are in a role, you have the technical skills to be in that role, but leadership is a different type of skill. So this book is to help create that bridge between technical and the leadership skills to help make that feel a little bit more, a little smoother. It's not necessarily always smooth and easy, but it is to be intended smoother. Well, I, I loved it and I loved how it is the bridge to how I began to see your whole body of work. I've already said you write books, you celebrate books, you coach books, and that all comes together in a very tight package. Because one of the things I would say about my following of you and our discussions both on screen and off over the last two years are you're probably one of the most disciplined, focused um, author, world, people I know. So you have this compendium of work, which for me comes together under your brand, which is beautifully branded, called Tough Fish. And talk about all of the aspects of that. Thank you very much. So Tough Fish, it just 
it makes my heart happy. And it, <laughs> Which it does. Is a good thing. <laughs> it does. I love it so, so much. It, um, it really, it's includes uh, developmental editing. So I really love helping with that heavy lifting type of editing. It's a developmental edit is a lot more of a creative type of edit in my mind. It's something where you're looking for your pacing and your characters or the messaging. And is that coming through or not? Or is it, you said you want to touch this reader. Are you connecting to this reader? Or, you know, is there enough tension in the book? Or are we going too slow? Are we going too fast? All of the things that help to make that story, or if it's nonfiction, that message, that transformation come alive for your reader. And sometimes the writer needs a little bit, they need new eyes. That's what a developmental editor can help do. And I love doing that with people. So that's one aspect. And then the another side is, I call it like a coaching consulting aspect, because sometimes you might need to have more discussion around those edits, but really every time that I've had a call where it's like, hey, can we talk more about those edits? Sure, it turns into, it's really not about the edits, it's whatever else is going on. And a lot of times it's, who am I to write this book? Or this is what's on my mind and I can't seem to get unstuck from this. But when those things get unpacked and they get released, the writing starts to come through. So sometimes it's not even with about the edits, it's just, hey, I wanna talk to you about an upcoming event I have and how to set up my space, or I have a podcast coming up. Can we talk about how I could position myself? So that coaching space is really intended to just help that writer, help that author to navigate and lead in their business as well. And then I also host a podcast called The Tough Fish Show. And I bring authors on because I think that it's courageous to confidently to get out there and talk about a book, but it takes courage to write a book, to get it published, and then to talk about it. And I want that space to feel like you can do this too. Look at what this person has done, what amazing work they've done. I want it to be a warm, positive sunshine on my guest. And in turn, I want that listener to feel like you get it. I see a community for myself and I can do this. I will do this. And there's some really awesome writers in the genre that I am in that I want to connect with or read and, and reader writers are readers. So then they're like, I need that book. <laughs> right. So it's just so cool. Now, the way you've all connected it, and I keep on going back to, you know, it's a verb, right? Because I see those questions at the end of the chapter, and I hear the kinds of questioning you do of your clients of, you know, are you being honest? Are you connecting with your, you know, whether it's that leadership question of, you know, are you leading? Are you doing this? Or if it's that author question of, are you connecting to the audience? Are you being true to that character? So um, it is seamless in so many, many ways. With your coaching of your clients, I know you're very, very disciplined. Could you talk about that approach? I look at that space as I want you to feel, you know you have to have a sounding board and a safe space to be able to really Talk about whatever is on your mind in order to allow your writing to flow or for your business to take off or what have you. But that safe space, you need to you need to feel that with that other person. So, you know, when I do any kind of coaching or consulting, it is a virtual space. It's so that you can see each other because that also helps to feel that connection. But it's from my standpoint, I'm looking at it as how can I be of service? How can I help that other person and what's going to help them to to unlock whatever's going on and keep moving forward. And when I do a developmental edit, 
I actually start out with a coaching, a, a consulting call that is on screen. So rather than just saying, hey, send me a sample and then we'll work through that, I'd rather have a conversation first because I want to hear what that author's vision is. It's one thing for me to read it and yeah, I want you to write about it, but I want to hear you talk about it because when I hear you, I'm picking up other things outside of what you've written. And because of that, I take what I'm gleaning from our conversation and that which you have shared with me through an intake form and formulating what I am understanding where you want to go. And based on that, if it feels like a good fit between us, I'll offer to do a sample edit. And I tell each person, look, here's the thing. We might connect this way and I want that, but you also want to be able to receive the feedback from the other person. So let me do a sample and I want you to feel like you can, if you can receive that from me, because yes, you might know you need feedback. Yes, you might realize that this is great, but until you see it in on your manuscript, you want to make sure it feels good for you too. So it's kind of like an interview process for both of us. And then if it still feels like a good fit, then we can continue talking about next steps. So I imagine there's that, oh, I think I need an editor. But when you send me back that sample and it's got, I'm going to arbitrarily say red marks all over it or a comment <laughs> like, what were you thinking? Some of us don't really want that. We may need it still. But is that what you're talking about? That ability to really be there to, for you to be of service, but also to be an honest voice in the script. Yes, I believe in being the an honest broker in how I engage. But I also believe in doing that in a kind way. So I would not say what were you thinking? <laughs> Instead, I might say, I would love to see more of this, 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 you know, this is what I'm taking away. I'd love to see more of the character or the more of this situation like this, or you've shared that this is the reader, but this isn't necessarily connecting. This is the type of reader I'm seeing. Let's, we need to close some gaps or we need to, need to rework some of this to reach who you've said you want to read. So to me, it's really about how to deliver feedback too in a way that you can hear it because you're right, it is. And you're feeling really vulnerable. You've just written this piece. You've now decided that you can share it with someone else. And there is a fear that's going on. So that's why I think that that conversation first is important and that sample edit is important because that helps you to decide, is this the right space for me or not? And it's okay if it's not. I think the developmental edits are something that really surprised me in my own work because I was done. I was happy I was done as we all are when we type the end and we think, oh, yay. And now, you know, it's going to be a Netflix series and it's going to be perfect. And Simon <laughs> and Schuster or whoever is going to pick it up and it's going to be magically a bestseller. And then we realize, oh, my gosh, that was just my first draft. <laughs> I've done but that, too. But what I found and what I think the real importance of a developmental editor are those probing questions. I have a whole character in my novel, The Eves, that never, ever, ever would have shown up unless my beta readers had said to me, this person needs to be there. But I have to be very honest. I was very resistant. But it was that level of questioning and the kind of, I think, kind level of questioning that you do that gets us out of our own head and makes our work tighter. It's not just the editing of a sentence, which is critical to make every sentence sparkle, but it's that it may be totally clear in my head, but the reader wants more or there's a gap. How much of that 
work do you do that changes, if you will, the story in its whole? Uh, so the developmental as a big picture type of edit, there are times when I'm, I may not have really touched on a lot. It's more about expand in this character, expand in this, this scene. Let's show more of here or let's develop a little bit more of the setting here. And then there's sometimes when it's like, we need to rewrite this. And instead of the parts that are down here at the bottom, this actually needs to be a whole new chapter and we need to expound further. Or we might need to take this one section and move it to a whole nother area or remove it. And so whenever I am offering my feedback. I also try to explain why I'm saying something because I don't think it's just fair to say, well, we should change this. Well, that's great. <laughs> that doesn't help me. So mm -hmm. I would rather offer a constructive solution and saying, here's some things to think about. Something might look like, and I'll even write in some pieces like something like and offer some idea to, mm -hmm. to not just let that author hang. So I'm looking at the whole piece. I've my rounds. I mean, I still take a lot of time to go through them because I'm pulling apart. I'm looking to make sure there aren't holes. So it does take time to, to work through them, but it is the whole picture. It's the bigger building blocks for the book. But then um, I tend to also look at line edit too, which is to your point, the styling, the voice and that type of thing. So I weave that in, but my primary focus is the bigger picture. Is because I know that you're so disciplined and I am working to be increasingly disciplined. Is there a time frame that you try to set with an author from the beginning? Like, okay, today is day one. We're going to have this book ready to be out the door at a date certain. I work within that author's parameters. So for instance, if they're working on a piece that, for instance, is really challenging for them to write. Maybe it's memoir and maybe what they're unpacking is something that they have healed. So they're writing from a scar perspective versus that messy middle, but it's still a little challenging to write. I, I look at that and go, okay, how do we work together to honor the goal that you've set and the time we both need to be able to work through this manuscript in a way that makes the most sense? Because like, I'll take that first round and move through it, but they need to have time to handle the rewriting and the reworking. And it's not just simply going in and accept track changes and we're done. It's literally, I have to rewrite chapters, rewrite paragraphs, rewrite entire scenes. And that can start to take a toll on a writer. And then they might start to feel like, oh my gosh, will this ever happen? I can't look at this right now. So that's why the coaching aspect can also come into play because it's like they're sending up a flare saying, I need some help. I need some encouragement. And I offer that with my my clients too, because I'll send them little Instagram DMs when I see something that they've done and I'll tell them, I think you're doing amazing. This is great. Or when I see something that they've done, I'll shoot them a note and tell them, look at this, you are doing fantastic. Or if I saw something that I can see that their work connects to that, a reminder saying, your work is needs to be out here. This is your person and they are so, ex you can tell that they are looking for work just like yours, keep going. Because they need that kind of, you need that in encouragement. You need to know somebody is in your corner to say, I, I believe in you, I can do, you can do this. You, you are so encouraging in so many aspects. And that's one of the things I love about the author community. We uplift each other. There isn't a competition. And we learn from each other all the time and share each other's resources. What I hear you say 
often is that you help authors get out of their own way. And that is such a positive message, but I think it's just a great life lesson. If we could all learn to get out of our own way earlier on, we would probably be far more self-actualized, if you will. I think a lot of what you're talking about today feels very much like life coaching, not book coaching. <laughs> is, is it a mix of the two? Yeah, because to me, when I see a person, I see the multi-dimensions in them. I see them as, you know, potentially they're a spouse or a parent or, you know, they're a friend, they're a sibling, they're a child to someone else, and they are a writer, and they're a business owner, and they might also be working, you know, a day job, a corporate job, and trying to make a dream happen. So I look at that and say, look, this dream is that important to you. You've invested with somebody like me to help bring this dream to life. Let's do this. You can do this. I, I, I will honor the schedules that we create because I want you to make that happen. But in the same breath, I'm not going to tell them, well, we have to make it in two months. Really? You want to do that rewriting that fast? Okay. But I don't think that that's, I want it to be an honor with integrity and heart-centered as I work with each person and for them to have that because they will feel more confident when they are sharing their work. Fabulous. I can't believe our time is up already, Jen. As we, <laughs> as we close out today, two things. Tell me something quirky about you that people might not know if they just were following you on your website and then tell us how to best find you. Ah, quirky. Well, um, not everybody believes that I am an introvert, but I very much am an introvert. I just really love being around people, but I also still need some downtime. So very much an introvert. So I would definitely say that's a lot of people tell me you can't be. I'm like, yes, I am. <laughs> I am too. See, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm definitely an introvert. So, okay, how, how's the best place to people connect with you, particularly if they want to use you as a developmental editor, a coach, and someone who can teach them how to get out of their own way? So my website is definitely a great place to start at jennifermilius.com. And I primarily hang out in Instagram too. So if they're on social and they want to connect there, that's another option too. But definitely the website's a great place to start. Jennifer Milius, thank you for being Episode 48 of The Storytellers, Building One People, One Day at a Time. This has been a copyrighted episode of Authors on the Air, Global Radio Network, and Grace Salmon. Thanks, Jennifer. Thank you so much for having me, Grace. This has been a blast. Take care. That concludes this episode of The Storytellers. I'm so glad you could be part of the story today. I hope you share the stories, tell your own, and come back for another episode. Because when our stories are told, everything changes. I'm Grace Salmon.